How is everybody this morning? We're doing good? We get to get that stuck in our heads for the next 30 weeks. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it, right? Well, we have been walking through our series called Believe, and uh, we have been talking about this idea of what we believe, right? So as if we as a church want to inspire others to trust in and live like Jesus, right, then our goal is that we are trusting in the same Jesus, right? But we're all believing the same things that we're going to share. And so we've been walking through this idea of what do we then believe, okay? And so what we're going to do real quick here on the front end is we're going to talk about a couple of the things that we've looked at over these past couple of weeks, okay? Kind of a reminder, a refresher, get your brain going. And so each week we have kind of this key question But then we also have this key statement that we're saying and proclaiming together, okay? And so in week one, the topic was God, right? Just simply God. And the question was, who is God? And so our statement out of that was, I believe the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And we walked through what that looks like for us and what that means for us as followers of Jesus, okay? And then the next week, we talked about how God is a personal God. Like, yes, the God of the Bible is the one true God, but He is a personal God. And so the question was, does God care about me, right? Like, does God even care, or is He just sitting up there just going, oh, well, I hope that doesn't go bad or good, right? And so the the statement was this, I believe that God is and cares about my daily life, or he is in and cares about my daily life, right? He's there and intermingling into our daily workings. The next day, or the next week, we talked about this idea of salvation. So how do I have relationship with this personal one true God, okay? And so the question was, again, how do I have relationship? The statement was, I believe a person comes into right relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, right? And we walk through the scriptures that confirm that for us, and we see that then in the Bible. And that was our next week, the Bible, right? So how do I know these things, and how do I know God's will for my life? Well, through the Bible and through his word. And our statement that we made was, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God that guides my beliefs and my actions, right? So that's where we've been over these past several weeks and what we've walked through. And so this morning, as we have each week, we have this key question, all right? And hopefully you've had time this past week to read through your Believe book, and maybe you've come in here read up and ready, right? Like you've already kind of seen the question and also seen the scriptures that give us the answer to that. But we're going to flesh that out even a little bit more, all right? And so here's the question for this week. Who am I? Right? Who am I? Now, that is a, a simple question to ask, right? But it's a very loaded question on the other end. Who am I? Because for most of us, there are a lot of things that define who we are, right? There's a lot of things in place that define who we are. There may be even a lot of people in your life who define who you are, okay? And so when we think about some of those things, like maybe you're a student. Right, Or maybe you're a mom, or maybe you're a manager, or maybe you're a tradesman, or maybe you're a musician. Like All of those things, because again, what's that question we first ask when we meet somebody? What do you do? Right? Because what does that do? That allows me an opportunity to get a brief snip of who I think you might be. 
right? And what I love is when you ask somebody that question, well, what do you do? And they give you this answer and then you get to know them and they're really, they don't go with their job description whatsoever, right? Like they just don't match up and it kind of throws you for a loop, doesn't it? Because we put so much weight on what a person does. Now, maybe you even see yourself as funny. Maybe you see yourself as energetic. Maybe you see yourself as boring. You know, like Abby and I occasionally sit on at the house on a Friday night. And we're like, well, we're old and boring, right? Like, what do we do? But here's the thing. Here's the other things that we might do, okay? Maybe you like the way you look. Maybe you don't like the way you look. But you may put your identity in those things. Now... Here's the deal, okay? We get our identity from all those different places, but here's kind of a statement I want us to mull over this morning, all right? How I tend to define myself, all right, affects my thoughts and actions, okay? So how I tend to define myself affects my thoughts and actions. In other words, the identity that you create for yourself will then determine the thoughts and the actions that you're going to put into place, We saw this a lot in student ministry. Like we would have parents who would soak their whole identity in what their kids did. Right? Like everything their kids did. So their kids' calendar defined their calendar. And that's easy for that to happen. But here's the thing. They would do so much with their kids that they got to the point we would see them leave for college. And those parents are sitting there going, who am I? Or who are we? Like they didn't know what to do without their kids. One couple in particular, like even to the point of like breakdown, like they didn't know what to do with their life because their identity was all shored up in their kids and what their kids did. Now, here's the thing, okay? What if I told you that we could have a consistent answer to that question? Who am I? That when somebody asks us that, that we would have a consistent answer. All right? So let me explain a little further, okay? So, again, the question, who am I? Okay? We have a friend, uh, and they have three biological children. All right? And a couple years ago, they felt led on their, or that the Lord was leading them in their hearts to begin to foster kids. And so they started fostering these families. And as these families were coming through their houses or through their house, and then they had to let them go again and then again and again, they felt, okay, we actually need to adopt. And so they prayed about that. And now eight kids later, right? Eight kids later, they have adopted these multitude of kids. Now here's the thing about those kids, all right? When they are brought into that family, they take on the name of that family, right? And so those kids who have now been adopted, excuse me, good gracious, who have been adopted are now the Elkins kids. Like they are Alan and Renee Elkins' children. Why? Because they have been adopted, right? But when they're adopted, they take on then their name. So their ID, if you were to look at their ID, their ID is now X, you know, child's name, Elkins. Why? Because they've been adopted into the family. Now, as you read through this week, right, you had the opportunity to see scripture where it talks about how we ourselves have been adopted into the family of God. But here's the cool thing when you're adopted into the family of God and when you step into the family of God, you take on that name, right? You become a part of that family. 
But here's the thing for us, okay? If we were to have our ID card, if you will, and we hold it up, okay? Our old name said this. It said, you're broken, you're a sinner, and you're separated from this family. But now here's what your card says. It says, I'm redeemed, I'm justified, I'm restored, and I'm now a part of the family of God. But here's the thing about that. Here's the cool thing about that is you have a consistency in that. Right? It doesn't go up and down depending on the day. Just as those kids, no matter how they act, they're adopted into the family, right? They're a part of the Elkins family. Guess what? You are a part of the family of God. You're a part, and that's who you are. Now, again, if we were to ask, okay, who am I? Well, here's your starting answer. I am a child of God. Okay, I am a child of God, and I am a part of His family in the same way as though we were adopted. Now, this past week, on page, I think it's 81 in your book if you have it, or it's in the Bible, Okay, John 1.9, it says this. It says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And He came into the very world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. But he came to his own people and they even rejected him. Now the him and the he that we're talking about here is Jesus. Okay? And then verse 12. Look here. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but from a birth that comes from God. Now, look at that last scripture there for a second. Okay? Not from a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from where? From God, right? It comes from God. But look even further back at verse 12, okay? When we believe in Jesus Christ, what do we receive? We receive an opportunity to become children of God, right? Children of God. We have an opportunity to step into His family. Now, Paul a fellow who wrote the majority of the New Testament, okay? He talks about this a lot. Like, he loves this idea of being in the family. You might remember back in our Ephesians study, we talked about this a lot. Like, you are a child of God. That is your identity. You are in this family. But Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He talks about it in Galatians. And he talks about it to the Romans. He's always talking about this family dynamic, that we are a part of the family of God. And as you were reading through your Believe book this past week, many times we went to the book of Romans. Didn't we? We broke down the book of Romans. But here's the thing, okay? Here's what he really hashes out. This is who you used to be, but now this is who you are. But there's something in the middle that makes a difference. Anybody want to try a Sunday school answer? Jesus, right? This is who I was, but now because of Jesus... I am now this. Well, what am I now? Well, you used to be broken, but you're now righteous, right? You're now justified is what we see in the scriptures in Romans here in a second. Okay, so what does it mean to be justified? Well, here's what it means to be justified. Justified means that you are declared to be righteous, okay? So what does it mean to be justified by Christ? Well, it means that you're declared to be righteous By Christ, by Jesus, that's how you are declared righteous. But here's the thing, okay? We talk about God's justification for us, that declaring of righteousness. How does that work? Like, what do I have to do to get that? 
Well, guess what? You don't have to do anything because when we go to the scripture, here's what it says. It says it falls freely on your life. Freely. He freely gives it for each and every one of us. So let's look in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 is where we're going to start, okay? And I'll, I'll, I'm on like this New Living Translation kick. Like I love that translation of the Bible because it makes just, it makes complete sense of tougher verses. Okay, so here in Romans 3, 21, it says this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirement of the law. Let me read that again. God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As, we prom- as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. And we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, that salvation piece we talked about last week or two weeks ago. Okay, but and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are. You catching this? You seeing it? All right, so look here. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Like, I love the way that puts that. Like, God's glorious standard, none of us are able to reach it. Can't be achieved. Can't be done. But look, yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. And He did this through Jesus Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and he did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he, in what he would do in the present time. And God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they Believe Now, again, Paul wanted to make it abundantly clear what was given to us. Like, though you were still sinners, right, you have been restored. You've been redeemed. And as he's walking through this in the book of Romans, he says, look, this is your old self, okay? This is your old self. You were, you were broken, but now you are, that old self is crucified, dead, and done. Like, it's gone. It's over. There is no more of that. And your new self, here's your new self. Your new self is alive and righteous, right? And it is cleansed from the things of your past and the stains that you might be holding on to that are affecting your life. Now, here's the thing, okay? You are no longer defined by those things because you are now like Christ. Your identity is found in him. So here's the thing. When your father, when Father God looks at you, here's what he sees. He sees Jesus, right? And when we look at Jesus, what do we see? Well, Jesus is holy, upright, blameless, and pure. So what does that mean for us when somebody says, okay, who am I? Or we ask the question, who am I? Well, that's who you are. Like, you are holy, upright, blameless, and pure. Though you may say, well, you don't know the things that I've done. No, look, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees the blameless Jesus. He sees the holy Jesus, that's who he sees. And that's something comforting that we can rest in, right? So comforting to rest in. And so when we make our key statement, I believe that I am significant because of my position as a child of God, right? Now I have great significance. Why? 
Because it's not in anything that I can conjure up or do, but it's in the significance of God looking at me and seeing Jesus. Now, I'm an Arkansas boy, right? Like most of you know that. And in Arkansas, man, we have this other thing that we used to do. Uh, We used to go to the stock car races. Now, the stock car races are like, not like Kansas City Speedway, nice NASCAR vehicles. Like this is redneck shade tree mechanics trying to make it around a track, right? Like dirt track racing, old school dirt track racing. But here's the thing about dirt track racing, okay? The biggest thing for those racers is to get in that pole position, right? The pole position is the front row on the inside of the turn. You know why? Because if you're in the pole position, guess what happens? You don't get any of that mud thrown in your face and you have a clean track to go and to slide around those corners in the dirt. But here's the thing. It's all about, yeah, right? Yeah. It's all about their position and where they are and where they want to be. Guess what? Where is your position? Your position is a child of God. You're sitting in a significant position, a significant position place and that's where you want to be right so like here's the thing when God the father and creator looks at us we are in a position as a child of God that when he looks upon us he sees not us and our filth but Jesus okay he sees that so look God looks upon us but what does he see he's seeing Jesus in the mix he's seeing Jesus before he sees us. He's leading the way in what the Father sees. Now, here's the great thing about that, okay? Is that it doesn't matter your performance or your lack thereof. Your identity is set. You are in Jesus, right? You are set in place for that. And He is pleased with you. He looks at you And he sees Jesus, but in that he is pleased with you. In the same way that he is pleased with his son. In Matthew 4, we see this moment where Jesus comes to John the Baptist and wants to be baptized. And John's like, well, I'm not sure. Like, you're Jesus and I'm John, right? I don't know if that's the thing. And Jesus is like, no, no. This is what we need to do. And so John takes him in the water and baptizes him. And then there's this moment where the heavens open up and this voice declares, this is my son whom I am well pleased. But here's the great thing. Look here. Each of you. If you've received Christ, if you believe on Christ, you are a son or daughter of his. So in that same moment, if that were to be now, look here. God the Father is saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I am well pleased. Now it stops there, like there's a period, right? It doesn't say, this is my son or my daughter, who am I well pleased because they've done X, Y, and Z. Nope. Right? I am pleased because this is my son my daughter, they are my child, and I am pleased with them. Now, let's go back for a second to that very first verse we read. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, who is the him? The him is Jesus. So let's reread that, okay? Yet to all who did receive Jesus... And to those who believe in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
And so, when, again, when we believe on Jesus, when we receive Jesus, we become a part of a family as an adopted child of God. That is now our new identity. And an identity that we can take and we can rest in each of our days. And it won't be changed by anything that you do. You're sitting now in a place of significance. Right? You're sitting in a place of significance because now you're just, you're more than meat and bones, right? Like walking around, taking up air. You're more than that. And you're more than what others say about you. You're more than what you say about yourself, but you are truly a part of an amazing new family the family of God. And so now you're in a position of significance that you can carry with you through the week, all right? So I want to ask you this this morning. What are you setting your identity in? If it's not Christ, what are you setting your identity in? What does that look like for you? Is it what other people say? Is it your job? What might it be that you're placing your personal identity in? And then the next question for you. Can you change that today? Can you change that today? Can you change where your identity is placed? And guess what? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Like, if you are in a place that you have not accepted Jesus Christ in your life, guess what? Today can be the day of salvation. Today can be the day that you begin that relationship with Him and you are then adopted into the family of God. If you're a believer and you say, you know what? I've got this, this, and this that I'm putting my identity in. Like, it already popped into my mind. I already know what it is. Guess what? We can start to turn that towards Christ. Right? Your identity can be changed towards Him. Sit in these things. Go back into your believe book this past week and read through those scriptures in Romans and, and what they declare and what they say and the glory and the excitement that they bring. Man, I'm a, I'm a child of God, right? We sang it. I'm a child of God. I'm a part of His family. Now, I think it's really cool that today is our day that we're also taking communion. Right, An opportunity for us to be reminded of what the Lord has done for us. The fact that He went to the cross and He died for us so that we even have an opportunity to step into this family that we don't deserve at all to be in. Right, But we have an opportunity now in these next few minutes here to walk through our time of communion. Okay, And so the band's going to come back up and they're going to lead us through a song. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Up here on this table is a little piece of bread and a cup full of some juice. Now those represent, okay, what God did for or what Jesus did for us on the cross. All right? So the bread represents his body that was broken and the juice represents his blood that was shed for us in that moment on the cross. But the night before that happened to Jesus, he took his disciples in a room and he said, "Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember me when you take these elements, when you take these things." And so that's what we're going to do this morning. All right. So I'm going to pray for us. And then as the band plays and as you feel led, you can come up here, grab that. You can take it here or you can take it back to your seat. All right. But we're just going to spend a few moments reflecting on the fact of what Jesus has done for us. And if you say, well, I'm in that place that I've never received Christ, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay. After our service, I'm going to be right back there in the back. And I would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. What it looks like to receive Christ. What it looks like to be adopted into the family of God. All right? So let me pray for us, and then we'll 
come up. So, Father, we just give this time to you. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you allowed your son to come here to earth for us. Lord, to live a sinless and blameless life. And then, Lord, to even be in obedience to step to the cross. And, Lord, in that, he opened the gates for us. Lord, he opened the gates for us to step into your family, to step into your house and to be a part of your family. So Lord, over these next few minutes as we remember what you've done for us by taking communion, taking the bread and taking the cup, Lord, may we be reminded of how much you love us. And Lord, that we are no longer stained by the things that we have done, but Father, you give us blessings new each morning. Thank you so much for that. And so, Lord, we just give these next few minutes to you. May it be a sweet time of interaction with you and just thanking you for who you are. And, Lord, may our identity not rest in the things of this world, but may our identity rest truly in you and the love that you have for us. And so we give this time to you, and we praise you in your son's name. Amen. So as the band plays, again, you can come up and take